Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, it's time for the NRL Power Hour, and we're going to stick true to the title. This is well and truly going to be an hour of power, so I'm going to try and summarise all the action from the final round of the NRL regular season in a shorter format. Now, for the longer format, obviously, some of these teams playing their last game for the season, I'm going to go in-depth and go through a full season review in my end of season review podcast series. If you've been following Not Just a Sports Report for a while, you may remember I did some, or I did a lot, 16 in fact, uh, preseason previews of each team with a prediction on where they'd finish on the ladder. So we're going to check back on all of that in the end of season review podcast series, and I'm going to split it into four. So bottom four, top four, fifth to eighth, and so forth. So I'm going to go through all of that in depth, but today, shorter format, so we're going to go through the final round of the regular season, and I've checked how many minutes, about six minutes on each game, of course at the end as well, the performance highlights, so that will be the X Factor player of the round, we will have the tough stuff performance highlight for the player, usually in the forward pack, who gets through the real tough work and has a huge round. And of course, the final for season 2022 Rising Star nomination. And this week, starting today, in fact, you can vote on the, what's it called? Let me think. Ah, uh, yeah, the Not Just a Sports Report 2022 Performance Highlights of the Year. So the Rising Star Player of the Year, which I'll nominate our final Rising Star at the end of this podcast. We'll, of course, have the Player of the Season coach of the season and we'll be naming a team of the season as well and starting today over on the instagram we are going to be running polls to determine who wins these performance highlights so essentially like an awards show except i just felt like right now not just a sports report and where we're at still growing and awards it's like i don't think any of these players will give a shit i don't think the player of the year to be honest will be like fucking earth you know if i had a trophy for them I don't know if it would end up at home in their like pool room with all the jerseys and stuff. So it's just going to be performance highlights of the year this year, but I'm keen to see what everyone thinks. So if you want to have your say, we will be running polls starting today to determine, yeah, everything that I just named that will be going into the end of season full podcast, that one to go through performance highlights of the year. And of course, at the end of this podcast, the cause for concern. Which side has concerned me? And what I'm gonna do since it's the end of the season, I'm gonna pick my cause for concern of the year, given that that's not gonna be in the performance highlights podcast for the year. So yeah, cause for concern for the whole year. But anyway, we've got a couple of minutes left in this intro. So I thought I'd talk very quickly about some of the news that's been coming out in the NRL. Now, Joey Manu set to miss the rest of the season 
again. This happened last year, obviously different circumstances, but Joe Manu, such a key cog in the machine that is the Sydney Roosters, that's a big loss. And I've seen a lot of people predicting, well, that's their season done. I don't know about that. I still think they've got a very quality side. But Joey Manu, damn. For the Roosters, that is a massive loss. And even just as a fan of the game, that's a big loss. But as a Kiwi, well, he's set to be all good for the World Cup. So, yeah, fuck the Roosters, respectfully. Um, I'm happy with that. If he's going to play for the Kiwis, well, he's our game changer. But if I was a Roosters fan, I would be devastated. He is such a gun. Some of the other news. Two coaches in pressure, or under pressure rather. Des Hasler has been told accept change or leave. So essentially it looks like they're going to make changes around his assistant coaching staff. But yeah, to suggest that they would get rid of Des Hasler, I don't know. I'm not inside the Seagulls uh, team, but... It just, it, it doesn't make much sense. I feel like Des Hasler, if there's any bloke that's going to get the best out of the Seagulls, it's Des Hasler. So we'll watch how this all unfolds. And the other bit of news, Kevin Walters, after that loss to the Dragons, pressure building on him. I don't think that's fair. Think about where they were under Anthony Seabold. Think about they, where they were the last couple of years. And yes, the circumstances of how they fell out of the eight were totally unacceptable, but I don't know, they still made massive improvements in hindsight. In my preseason prediction, I had them finishing 12th, so they finished a little bit above that, and the season as a whole, the majority of the season, was actually awesome, just they fell apart at the end, but is that a reason to sack Kevin Walters? I don't know. What I do know though, is that I've gone past my six minutes for the intro, so now, let's get amongst the NRL Power Hour, round 25, starting with our Thursday night game. Thursday night was a big one. That was my game of the round. Winner earning a place in the top four. And it was the Eels, who really, they looked on from the get-go. 22 to 14, Eels beat the Storm, with the Storm dropping out of the top eight, or top four rather, fucking hell, for the first time since 2015, I believe it was, or 2014, I think it was 2015, I haven't checked up on that, Soz, uh, but the Storm, look, they've done enormously well to finish fifth, they've had a lot of challenges, but this game, it belonged to the Eels, I thought the halves were outstanding, and I actually didn't get to release my preview podcast this week. I actually recorded half of it. And I spent a long time in that podcast talking about how now Brad Arthur, who like Des Hasler and Kevin Walters and many other coaches, faces so much criticism, so much scrutiny. And there has been a lot of talk about the Eels. And in the last couple of seasons, how they haven't peaked at the right time. They've looked awesome early in the season and at different stages, but like the Broncos, but on a lesser scale, they've fallen apart toward the back end the last couple of years. And then last year, they pushed Penrith Panthers all the way in a final, and it just seemed like everything was aligning. 
Brad Arthur still this year, so much criticism of him. The Eels have been largely inconsistent. They're letting some real star players like Reid Marnie and Isaiah Papali'i leave for other teams. But I just feel like Brad Arthur, he took over in 2014 and he took a side that had racked up a couple of wooden spoons and he immediately in his first proper season, he was an interim coach for a little bit there, I think 2012, and his first season in 2014, he took a wooden spoon side and they finished 10th. And the Eels were an absolute basket case at the time. And now Brad Arthur, he's not just taken on a wooden spoon side. He has had time now to make this side his own. We see Junior Paolo, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown. All of these guys, I know Paolo actually started his career at the Eels. But all of these guys have really harnessed their potential under Brad Arthur. Now, they'd played elsewhere. Paolo had killed it at the Raiders as well. But Brad Arthur has built this whole side. Clint Gutherson, he's a Brad Arthur man. You look on the wings, Mike Sivo has only played under Brad Arthur. And it's really interesting that there's criticism, but I think I can remember what the Eels were when he took over. They were shit. They were like one of, if not the shittest team. And they were just awful. And he has finally got them to a point where they're consistently playing in the final series. And is this the year where they are peaking at the right time? Well, a top four finish suggests so. They've been able to beat the Storm multiple times in only the last two seasons, including last year when the Storm were on the run of a lifetime. They've beaten the, uh, the Panthers twice this year, have the Eels the only side to beat Penrith twice, and not many sides have even beaten Penrith at all in the last three years. Now they're going to play Penrith. Uh, Parramatta, week one of the finals, it is set, and I cannot wait for that one. I will be releasing the full final series preview podcast, probably Tuesday, Wednesday, one of those two days. And yeah, that is a huge game, because Eels... I know the circumstances they beat the Panthers under last time. Yeah, like people say, oh, that was like, they looked shit still in that win. And Cleary obviously got sent off. But I don't know. I really do think the Eels, this is a danger game for the Panthers. So I'll jump into the preview for that one in full. And for the Melbourne Storm, well, they host the Canberra Raiders, who have an uncanny knack for being able to beat the Storm in Melbourne, which is a very tough assignment. So that is going to be another big game. Storm falling out of the top four. It's going to be a tough ask for them to go all the way. And I don't know if they have that vibe about them this year. I know still the senior players will know that they can do it. But it's almost as if Bellamy... I don't know, it just feels as though the Storm aren't going full tilt for the Premiership because they're a little bit undermanned and they know what it takes, and maybe they know that then, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into that too much, but I don't know if they know whether they can go all the way. They're going to give it a red-hot crack. Any side that has Cameron Munster, Harry Grant, and the players they do on that side, they're going to have belief that they can win the Premiership, but they're going to have to get past the Raiders first. So they're going to have to go the long way of the Storm, finishing outside the top four, Raiders Storm next weekend, Panthers-Eels, 
finals finally here. But let's stick to the round 25 regular action, or regular season rather. Whoops-a-daisies on that one. And on the early Friday night game, it, it was, to be honest, I didn't, I enjoyed it because I had money on the Bulldogs who beat the Sea Eagles. But yeah, 21-20, an exciting game per se, more for the Bulldogs. I, I wasn't that excited about the Sea Eagles. And funnily enough, 21-20 to to the Bulldogs. The Seagulls won by a field goal last time they met earlier in the season. So, Dogs get one back. I wasn't super excited about this game, given that it had no real bearing on the ladder. But I guess it tells us Bulldogs, they're, they're going in an upward direction, whilst Seagulls, I, I don't think you can say that. So, pressure on Des Hasler... Interesting. I'll do a full. There's a lot to talk about as far as the Seagulls go, so I'll do a full take on that um, in the end of season prediction. But for the Bulldogs, they've got Cameron Sorrello coming to the club, and they're shaping really nicely. They've got the likes of Matt Burton. You've got someone like Josh Adokar, Reed Marnie, Viliame Kikau, Ryan Sutton, all on their way to the club. It's it's a good time to be a Bulldogs fan, which I'm not. But if I was, it would be a good time, I would imagine, to be a Bulldogs fan. No, they're not anywhere near the top eight to finish this year. And the expectations will rise next year. But they've got a great young side. I really like Aaron Shop, who ran for 188 metres in this game, scored a long-range try, which realistically, that was what brought the Dogs back into the game in the later stages, a bit early in the second half. Now, K.R. Wicks, he had a great game at the back for the Seagulls, ran for 220 metres. So he looked good, potential option at the back there. Not not much to make of either side, given end of the season, definite fail season for the Manly Seagulls. And Dogs, a pass toward the back end, but also kind of a fail. I don't know, the Trent Barrett thing, now it's worked out. Cameron Serraldo could definitely be the answer. I think he is the absolute best possible option that was on the market. And the Bulldogs have gotten him. So I guess in that respect, it's it, long term, it looks like it's going to be a pass. But I said this year in the preview predi- and predictions, I thought Dogs would struggle at the start. And then toward the back end, they'd get their shit together and start getting, you know, on the winning winning end of things, once their combinations started to click, had a lot of signings come to the club. And yeah, it happened, but Trent Barrett was a casualty there when I thought they could have done it with him. But he didn't think so. Mick Potter ended up doing it, and he's got a lot of raps, deservedly so. And they've ended up getting Cameron Serraldo. But yeah, Trent Barrett the casualty there so I think they could have got this through this season with him but the coach the pressure on coaches it's just ridiculous so Cameron Serraldo good luck to him I think he's definitely the best man for the job but you know if they finish lower than 12th next year then immediately you know the critics are going to come for him so is it a bulldogs issue were the coaches they've had just not up to the task who knows, but it does look like the Bulldogs going in an upward direction. And then you have the Sea Eagles. 
who've just unfortunately melted down. Kieran Foran leaving next year as well, so it seems like they're only going to get weaker. They've got great young stars, Hamole Olikawatu, one of the real talents of the game. But yeah, the vibe around the Seagulls right now is so off. And they rely heavily on top-end talent, like Tom Trebojevic, even Jake, who's been missing through the back part of the year. They've really missed him defensively. Daily Cherry Evans still pretty close to the top of his game. I mean, did lead Queensland to an origin win this year. So you'd have to say he's still at the top of his game. But there are defensive lapses, and he's not going to be around forever. He is getting a little bit older. We're seeing a little bit of a glimpse now. A lot of young Seagulls players getting a go this year. Tolly Cola, KL Weeks. Uh, quite a handful that probably I'm forgetting right now. Even Christian Tuipolotu on the wing. So they've given us a bit of an idea on some of the young guys they have coming through. But in the key positions, not really. Manasi Finu seemed to be that answer. And now it appears as though he's not going to be returning to the NRL. So they've got the makeshift off, uh, option in Lachlan Croker, who's done phenomenally well. He honestly far exceeded my expectations of what he could ever do. As a dummy half, he always, always seemed like he was a halves player, like a 5'8". But he's given it such a great go. So Lachlan Croker, well done to him in what he's been able to do and make the position his own. But Manasi Finu seemed to be the long-term option now that no longer the case. Tom Trebojevic at fullback, long-term option. But there are questions. How much are you going to get out of him? He does miss a lot of time. And it's one of the toughest games in the world. So he's bound to get injured here and there. But there is a huge investment in him. And then when he's out, Ruben Garrick ended up doing a great job. But just the depth around the side seems to be an issue 5-8 another position as well with Kieran Foran going. Does Josh Schuster step in there? He's looked unfit all year, which I don't say that with too much criticism. I'm pretty unfit right now. So, like, he's a fucking NRL player. Like, he's way fitter than the average bloke. But I still think definitely there are question marks. He seemed to be the long-term answer and I would imagine still is the long-term answer in the halves. But yeah, he'll, he'll just have to put in the work. They've got a youngster, Jamie Humphreys, as well. Maybe they'll look to him. But yeah, the Seagulls, it doesn't seem like they're going to get stronger next year unless they can keep Tom Trebojevic on the park. Dogs 21, Seagulls 20. After that, we had a game with plenty of implications Two sides who are now going to meet each other in back-to-back -back games, given week one of the final set. It's going to be a rematch of this game. We had Roosters, Rabbitohs, the first in a series of two games now, and Roosters looked far the better side. Now, no Joey Manu for the rest of the year. That is going to be tough. We saw Latrell Sinbind, Nat Butcher Sinbind as well. And look, Luttrell, he's there this season. He wasn't there last year for the Rabbitohs. So I think it's going to be a way closer game in week two of the finals. But I'll save my chat for the preview of that game for the preview podcast. As far as this actual game, 26-16. to 16. And yeah, Roosters, they kind of had the win. 
by late in the half, like, I don't know, Rabbitohs, a couple of their tries came once it was already basically 26 to, like, 6. So Roosters were easily the better side in this game. The loss of Joey Manu is big. They still got James Tedesco. He ran for 275 metres in this game. Two line breaks as well as scoring a try. He's just such a killer. He's going to be one of the options for the player of the year, which I've split into eight players. So it's going to be split into two lots of four, and then we'll have a final four to determine player of the year. And James Tedesco, he's amongst the nominations. He's had an incredible season once again, and he doesn't always get the raps because he just does it so consistently. And, I mean, you've got people like Luttrell setting the game alight. There are always a few fullbacks. Ryan Pappenhausen, when he's on the field, Dylan Edwards this year. But James Tedesco, he is top of the crop. An unbelievable player. They've still got him next week. I think young players like Egan Butcher have really stepped up into first grade players now as well. And next week, they're going to get Suwali and Daniel Tupo back, who neither of those two played in this game. So Rooster's still going to be incredibly strong. And for the Rabbitohs, look, I'm really interested to see how they go in this next game. They'll take a lot of lessons from this one. And Luttrell is in career-best form. So Rabbitohs, they were runners-up last year. They have a lot of motivation There have been a lot of narratives as well. No Adam Reynolds. Well, now, in hindsight, if you look, Adam Reynolds didn't make the top eight. The Rabbitohs have. So they've come away and in what seemed like a fail for much of the season, could potentially be a pass. Definitely long-term, Lachlan Elias should be a lot better for having this season under his belt. Cody Walker and Luttrell, that combination is fire. And there's been talks. Maybe the Dolphins go after them. I I think these guys are well and truly South Sydney boys now. I think Walker finishes his career at the Rabbitohs. I think Luttrell. I think he's long-term Rabbitohs fullback. And then you have Damian Cook, which it will be interesting to see where everything lands. But if they can reach some kind of conclusion to keep those three there, then... Look, Rabbitohs, they can, these guys can stay in the premiership hunt. Like Cody Walker and Damian Cook especially, both late bloomers to first grade. Neither have won a premiership. And yeah, they've both played in grand final now, last year. And they've been around for a little while, but they both debuted later in their careers. If they go on bigger money to a lower place side, then th- that could be their chance at a premiership. So... I think they're going to look, and I don't know these guys at all, so I don't know, this is just my opinion, but I think if they can work out a deal where they all get paid around what they deserve, but it's hard with the salary cap, because they probably all deserve a bit more than they're getting paid, but there's certain amounts you can spend, and I think if these guys can just stick together, well, that's their best chance at winning a premiership. Latrell's already won two. So he could be enticed by a Dolphins offer, but he seems like he's a Rabbitohs man through and through now. It will be interesting, but next week, Damian Cook, who's been missing the last couple of weeks, expected to be back on deck, and that that is going to be such a fire clash, oldest rugby league rivalry, and so much at stake. It's win or go home. 
Rabbitohs, Roosters next weekend. And Roosters going in with the confidence edge, getting the win in that Friday night game. Let's see what we have after. I'm pretty sure I know because I'm a Warriors supporter. And fucking hell. Uh, I, I remembered like heartbreak at the end. But yeah, just that score. 27 26. Uh, that's all I can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking hell. Josh Curran was good. He's been awesome all year. So good on him. But I'll focus on the Titans for a moment. What a comeback. There is. No way in hell they should have won that game. No way in hell. But they got a late penalty goal. They had two tries in the final 10 minutes. Jaden Campbell and Paul Turner, former Warriors player. Oh my goodness. Who I didn't want to lose. I liked him. And then he went to the Titans and he scored a huge try. Oh my God. The fucking Titans. Seriously. The Titans have been so shit this year. And that is respectfully. I, I predicted them pre-season. I'll say I had both of these sides in my top eight pre-season predictions. These were the two who burnt me the most. The Warriors one was biased. I think I knew inside of myself we weren't going to finish in the top eight. I didn't think under Nathan Brown. Like I thought it was either going to go very wrong or it was going to go really well. And it went very wrong. And this last game of the season just summed it up. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to watch because I'm a Warriors fan, and I'm a supporter. I support, no matter where we are. They're still my team, so I'll tune in, cheer them on, and it was going awesome. We scored three tries in the first 15 minutes. And, yeah, it was a game we had won, and we let it slip. So well done to the Titans. They have had a horrible year, and that that means they don't finish with the spoon. Still definitely a fail year, but... Yeah, after that, honestly, I'm like, I'm glad. It'll be all right going into preseason. I actually need a few months before I can watch the Warriors again because, ah, just so mediocre. So damn mediocre. Not the players as well. I actually really like pretty all the players. I'm a supporter and, like, I don't even know. I like all the players. So it's not really even the players. It's just the Warriors as a whole for the longest time and we've always had some great players and now we've actually probably got more consistency and quality players around the whole team and we have signed some more like we seem to be going through a clean out so that is the good thing we're cleaning some players out and it's unfortunate like i as i said i like a lot of the players but it's time we need they we need to change and over the last few years we've been seeing that a lot of change throughout our entire team. And I they believe they've just... Yeah, 15 departures for the Warriors end of the season. A lot of departures. So Matt Lodge left mid-season. Look at him now in the conversation to be selected. World Cup Kangaroos playing for the Roosters. We paid his contract out. That's why some of it I'm like, you know, it's not just... It's not the players all the time. Yeah, they're losing on the field, but the Warriors as a club, we just deliver so many L's. We're paying Matt Lodge to be playing in the finals with the Sydney Roosters. Cody Nicarima's gone, playing finals with the Rabbitohs and going to the Dolphins next year. Ashley Taylor had to retire, unfortunately. 
Ewan Aitken off to the Dolphins. Jesse Arthur's return on loan. That one hurt. I was like, oh, damn. Jesse Arthur's return on loan. See ya. Damn. Chanel Harris-Tavita wants to pursue writing and traveling. And he's a young half in the NRL. I honestly reckon the fun just gets sucked out of it for them. And the Warriors especially. Being playing for the Warriors just sucks. When you're the young half, you get criticism and just the Warriors as a club sucks, unfortunately and respectfully. Um, and what they did didn't suck, staying in Australia for three years. But like I said, it's not just the players, it's the club, some of the decisions. Jesse Hearth is going, Chanel Harris-Savita is like, I would rather be fucking writing. This NRL grind isn't that fun anymore. And what played my whole life, wanting to be a rugby league player... It isn't fun anymore, so he wants to write. Fucking good on him. Why not? Uh, Alessia Katoa going to the Melbourne Storm. Cool. Watch him absolutely kill it at the Melbourne Storm. And then we'll be like, why did we let this guy go? But whatever. And Reese Walsh. Oh, fuck. That one sucked. Reese Walsh going to the Broncos. Damn. Again, I can't even blame. Like, the worries, it's, it's probably better for Reese Walsh to go to the Broncos. So yeah, that one's sad. I started salty, but sad. There's no reason, it's like, there's no reason to be angry. He's making the decision for his daughter. So what am I gonna do, be angry about that? And yeah, damn, Reese Walsh, goodbye. See you later, Reese. Uh, Dejan Arcee also going back to the Cowboys, I believe. But I think he'll be right in the frame. He, he may be the one who's the first backup option for Dearden or Townsend, should they go down. We have Leighton Finnau, a young uh, Ford. He didn't get an NRL debut, but good luck to him wherever he lands. Jackson Fry didn't get really much time, but was with us for a while. Good on Jackson Fry. And yeah, he did play some NRL, so good on him. Hopefully he finds somewhere where he can play his best football. Dynamis Louie, who we signed mid-season to replace Matt Lodge. Um, <laughs> this is the end of the season. Now I can just laugh, for goodness sake. Um, but respectfully to Dynamis Louie, I actually like him as a player. Looks like he may be going to the Dolphins next year. It wasn't a slight on Dynamis Louie. You know, it's just... Look how Matt Lodge is playing for the Roosters. Which, again, he wasn't playing like that for us. And I don't think... Maybe it wasn't Matt Lodge's fault. Like, maybe it's just the Warriors. We can bring it out, and it could be a strength and conditioning thing. Like, we never seem to be as fit or as fast as the other teams. I don't know exactly what it is, but, yeah, what a way to end the season. Congrats to the Titans. Let's now get on to our next game on Super Saturday. Just trying to pull that up on my phone. Amongst the devastation, what, an, what another devastating season for the Warriors. That's a wrap for the year. Ah, uh, yeah. Damn. Let's let's hope they go all right. I don't think we'll make the eight next year, but we got a new coach. I really like guys like Josh Curran, Torhu Harris. I like most of the players, so we'll see how that goes. Then after that, the Dragons beat the Broncos. Yeah, what a fade out. The wheels just fell off for the Broncos. I think a lot of their players playing busted, like Kirk Capewell, definitely playing below, well below 100%. Like, I think he's carrying 
injuries. I know he's carrying injuries. Actually, that's been reported on. And I actually picked the Dragons to win in this game. The Broncos, it just seemed like they were gone. And it appears that they are. Now they actually are. And to give the Raiders that spot in the finals. Outrageous. And Raiders are my second team. Family support the Raiders. And I was like looking and I was like, there's no way. Like we could win every game, but still. Like I was like, oh, the Broncos have really, really got to have a catastrophe. And they did. They did have a catastrophe. Getting absolutely pumped. They didn't get pumped this time around. But they got beat by the Dragons, who aren't even in the final series. Dragons players banned from Mad Monday. No get-togethers of any kind allowed. Certainly no barbecues. Um, whatever. I think, honestly, Mad Monday as a concept is ruined anyway. Because the journalists... That's what I hate. That's what I hate about, like, the journalists and stuff. I don't mind that they, you know, go nuts all the time. But when they start rocking up to Mad Mondays and shit, it's just like... Uh... I don't know. So it depends what the Mad Monday is. Like, a lot of it is juvenile behavior and shit. I think they shouldn't be doing them at public public places. I mean, I don't know if anyone saw the uh, Australian Rules Boys and their Mad Monday recently in public, causing a lot of outrage. And also, they fucking got, like, relegated. I'm pretty sure they won the wooden spoon and were, like, the worst side. Definitely the worst behaved side. But I don't know. I think, like, I just don't know. Some, uh, gatherings of all kind banned? I actually, no joke, think a barbecue, funnily enough, would be totally fine. A few beers, get everyone together for a barbecue. Um, but, yeah, Dragons ban Mad Monday. Mad Monday essentially is dead anyway because of the media and their need to report on it. I think, I don't know, I think they should be... They should just get a fucking Airbnb somewhere far away. Even then, the journalists will come, which is the fucked up part. But they should just get an Airbnb or something. If their players really, you know... If they've earned it, which maybe the Dragons guys haven't. But if they've earned it, I think they should be allowed to cut loose. Take them to fucking... I don't know. Put them all in an Airbnb and give them all some acid or some shit. I don't know. Just, like, let them run loose, but... It doesn't need to be in public. Like, I do think doing it at a private function still isn't the wisest idea because you're right, you're right in the thick of everything. So I think they should let them go to an Airbnb. Let them do whatever kind of fucking ridiculous stuff they want to do. Let them drink and party. Um, and try just do it respectfully. You guys are fucking men. Most of these guys in the NRL are grown men. And so show the younger boys, you know, how to do it. But, yeah, no gatherings. I guess in the time I've allotted to talk about this game, uh, Mad Monday came to the surface. I think it should still be a thing. But I can understand why it's not. A lot of the behavior is pretty poor. But these guys, they're under the fucking pump all year. You have, like, a microscope. We all judge every inch of what they do. Their personal lives are shared in the media. It's unrelenting. So, I don't know. I just think some form of Mad Monday to even ban gatherings is pretty stiff. And there have been lots of talks about divisions at the Dragons. 
So maybe that has been an effort. I don't know. Maybe if they do coke and drink, they'll start fucking fighting each other or something. I don't know. But there has been talk of player unrest. Seems like Jaden Sewer may be off to the Dolphins. Uh, Josh McGuire. There's been talk around him. But yeah, Gathering's banned. I don't know. Maybe, maybe to stop Division. Who knows? What I do know, though, is that I have passed the allotted point for that game. So sayonara, Broncos. Way to, way to totally melt, unfortunately. Now, after that, we had our Saturday night game. Cowboys finishing second. That will see them host a home final in Townsville up against the Sharks. And in this game, Cowboys 38, Panthers 8. Panthers resting their entire team, pretty much. And Cowboys, well, they showed up. They put a lot of attack on. Valentine Holmes scored a hat-trick. And now the Cowboys, well, they find themselves hosting that game against the Sharks. Panthers can be forgiven. I don't think it's their problem for resting players. They had nothing to gain from this game. Already minor premiers. And just, they've earned the right to rest players if they want. That fell into the hands of the Cowboys perfectly. And now North Queensland finishing second. They have this opportunity for a dream run. I know a lot of people counting them out. I believe uh, Paul Gallen made a bet that he'd wear Phil Gould's undies if uh, the Cowboys won the premiership, which I was just like, why? Why? As a gambling man, we all know some shit can go wrong. You can be left on egg with your face. Even if I was so confident, even if I were to say, I think the Penrith Panthers are going to win the grand final this year, I wouldn't be like, feel good. If I, if this is wrong, I'm going to wear your undies. Why? The why? That could always go wrong. Why would you even make that a possibility? Makes me think maybe he just, some part of him wants to. I don't know. Weird, weird shit, but that's the bet, so I actually kind of hope the Cowboys win, just for a laugh. And they're in a great position to do so. Home final series, basically. If they had to beat the Sharks in week one, well, then they'll get to host a prelim. One game away from the finals, the grand final, and it could be in Townsville. So they have a huge chance to at least make it to the grand final. And this would be a dream run. No side exceeding my expectations and pretty much everyone's expectations more so than the North Queensland Cowboys this year. And I think about every time the LED glasses guy, I don't know if people remember him, had the LED sunglasses that flashed Go Cowboys. I think about him and how happy he would be. Very great times for Cowboys fans. I've been so happy to see it. Um... And then, yeah, it also makes me remember as a Warriors fan, ah, the Todd Payton, he chose the Cowboys over us. And look at the Cowboys, absolutely killing it. Damn, damn, damn. And for the Panthers, they pretty much played their New South Wales Cup side, which was still a top four reserve grade side. Have a lot of great players in that team as well. And yeah, there's not much to that. Like none of the Panthers' first team. And Panthers got the Eels in week one of the finals. That game is going to be berserk. Panthers 0-2 up against Parramatta this year as well. So it actually shapes as a very crucial contest. Winner straight through to a preliminary final. And for the loser, 
They'll get a home final in week two, but they're going to have to work for it. And if there are injuries, they're not going to have any chance to rest. First versus fourth, Battle of the West. That is definitely going to be a good one. Cowboys against Sharks as well. It's a really interesting time. Obviously, first year for Craig Fitzgibbon as the Sharks coach. Peyton's second year at the Cowboys. And look how many of those young boys in just one and a bit seasons under Todd Payton have realized their potential and immediately elevated themselves to origin level. Ruben Cotter, Jeremiah Nanai, Murray Taolongi. It's unreal what the Cowboys have been able to do and a huge win for them. So they go in high on confidence after beating, uh, beating a second string Panthers side. But the Sharks, you just know it's going to be a close game. And for the Cowboys, a win there, Townsville home prelim final. So a lot to play for. And the most impressive part has been the combination between Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend. Townsend obviously signed as the experienced organizing half, and he's totally freed up Dearden. Let's not forget where Dearden was last year, cut from the Broncos midway through the year after at their toughest point in their history, kind of giving this guy the reins as a young number seven, barely just turned 18, I was pretty sure. And yeah, they scarred his career. They let him go. Cowboys picked him up, but it seemed like maybe this this kid could be gone, you know, like just the way his career early had unfolded. And now this year, we're seeing exactly why there were so many raps on him coming through the grades. He made his origin debut. He is a Queensland series origin winner in the halves, replacing Cameron Munster, who went down and there was talk that that could be it for the Maroons. So hugely impressed with the Cowboys halves. And now we've only got a couple of Sunday games to get into. And of course the performance highlights at the end. So with that being said, let's now get amongst our Sunday games. Last Sunday action of the regular season, and look, I was a little bit dusty. I'd stayed up all night for the UFC. I didn't see the first of these Sunday games, unfortunately. Look, to be honest, the Newcastle Knights at home, I think I've seen enough from them this season. Sharks, I was interested to see how they went. They've ended up finishing uh, second, so I got it wrong a bit earlier. I said Townsville get that home final. I stand corrected. It's actually going to be at Shark Park. My bad on that one. But yeah, Sharks, home final, that is no doubt a big deal. And they were far too good here. 38-16, to 16, Sharks over the Knights. Got to see a little bit of Luke Metcalf magic. Britton Nakora was on fire as well, scoring a hat-trick. And look, overall, the Sharks just way too good. Been a huge fan of Lachlan Miller. He ran for 198 meters. And Sharks, they were just so clearly the better team throughout the entire game. Nico Hines came up with two try assists, potentially helps his case to be crowned the Delhi M medal winner. And Lachlan Miller, 12 tackle breaks. So they just couldn't put a hand on this guy, breaking tackles all day. And in the end, Sharks cruising to a pretty easy victory over a Newcastle Knights side that 
Unfortunately, it's been a shocking season. Now, I've seen that they've signed Tyson Gamble going forward from next year, so that should give them a bit of depth in the halves and a bit of competitive spirit within their roster as well, something that I feel has been lacking from the Knights this year. I am interested overall how Newcastle turn this around. Obviously, Kalen Ponga is the biggest, most important piece of the puzzle, but they need to work out exactly how they're going to build around him. Have got some decent players like Tyson Frizzell, the Saifiti twins, but then you consider that a guy like David Klemmer, he seems set to leave. Pasami Salo, a young front rower, he is looking like he's off to the Raiders. And for the Knights, I don't know, it seems like maybe it may have to get a little bit worse before it gets better. So, unfortunate season comes to an end for the Knights. I thought Jaden Braley losing him pre-season for pretty much the whole year, that was a major reason as to why the Knights just looked a shell of themselves from the last year's team. Now, for the Sharks, they find themselves smack bang in a premiership window. It is only year one of the Craig Fitzgibbon era, and to see where they are already... I mean, they have fast-tracked this team straight in to Premiership contention. A second-place finish, the best depth in the competition, as highlighted by the fact that their New South Wales Cup side came first at the end of the New South Wales Cup regular season, and they've been able to successfully call on guys from the lower grades to come up when they need them. I'm thinking guys like Lachlan Miller, Matt Ikuvalu, Kyle Iro. They've been able to call upon these guys who have been absolutely dominating at reserve grade level. So with that, the Sharks find themselves in really good stead heading into the finals. They have the home final up against the North Queensland Cowboys. And if they win that, well, they go straight through to the prelim. Only one more victory away from getting into the grand final. So Cronulla fans, I would imagine, unbelievably excited. It seems like... It's not just this year that they are going to be one of the top sides. It seems like this is really the beginning of a long stretch of a Cronulla Sharks powerhouse. Craig Fitzgibbon, he has proven to be the exact right man for the job. Nico Hines has lived up to his marquee player price tag and expectations. In fact, you'd probably say he's getting paid unders. You've got someone like Dale Finucane, who has added a whole ton of leadership as has someone like Cameron McInnes, and all those players who were at the Sharks before, well, they've just gone to a totally new level under Craig Fitzgibbon. And now here they are, finals football, after missing out last year, going through the whole John Morris fiasco, Josh Henne taking over as interim coach. But here they are one year later, and to see what Craig Fitzgibbon has been able to do with this side, it's been simply incredible. So Sharks, they now set their focus on a premiership tilt. And for the Newcastle Knights, well, they're going to have to go away. They're going to have to be very honest with themselves as to where it's gone wrong. And it will be very intriguing to see how Newcastle respond. Because they do have the ability to really improve rapidly and shoot straight back up the ladder. But there is also the downside where if they can't get their shit together... Well, now even the lower sides, like the Tigers, look a lot more promising next season. So Newcastle Knights need to get it together fast 
or they may find themselves on the foot of the ladder again next season. With that being said, only one game left of the regular season round, and Tigers would have been happy with that because, gee whiz, they just got absolutely pumped. Tigers picking up the wooden spoon. In my preseason predictions, I, that's exactly where I had them. I had the Tigers to finish last, so no real surprises there, but very disappointing. Just very disappointing. And I think they've bottomed out, but yeah, it's hard to tell. Like, if they come out next year and don't improve, well, I, I don't know what they do from there. So Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, they have got a very big job on their hands, but there are really promising kids to work with. They've brought through a lot of young players since Brett Kamali took over. And guys like Dane Laurie, Adam Duahy, these are guys that they can build around. They've got Isaiah Papali'i coming to the club next year. And they've got Arpi Korosau as well. So you would imagine the Tigers have bottomed out now and that it's only up from here. But yeah, to end the season 56-10, to 10, Tigers just get absolutely smacked, pick up the wooden spoon, and yeah, what am I going to do, kick a team while they're down? I've actually kicked the Tigers many times this year. I mean, they rolled into the year with five captains. You're just, you're asking for it at that point. So Tigers, basically a shit show all year, and I'm sorry if you're a Tigers fan. I'm, I mean, my team, Warriors, came 15th for context, so this isn't me on my high horse. I'm well and truly down in the shitter with all of you Tigers fans but yeah it's just disappointing for it to end like that a really poor season as a whole Michael Maguire doesn't see the year out and now they have to go away work out exactly how things went wrong and they're gonna have to act pretty fast to try and fix things I'm hopeful though I think this year was the year that the Tigers really bottomed out after a decade of complete mediocrity and I think now they're on the up. It's time for the Tigers to start heading in an upward trajectory. I really like Dane Laurie. I think he's someone they need to make sure they lock down long term. Uh, Jock Madden, talented young half, he's off to the Panthers. Luke Brooks, we don't know what's going to happen with Luke Brooks. A lot of issues surrounding the Tigers but I do think this is as bad as it gets, hopefully. And now, let's hope that they're on the up. It's hard to tell, but I truly believed all year that this was going to be the year where they hit their absolute rock bottom. And yeah, they can only go up from here, basically. As for the Raiders, 56-10, to 10, the run they've been on to end the season and get themselves into the finals has been simply incredible. It seemed like there was no way they were going to do it. They had to rely on a complete capitulation from the Broncos. And somehow, that actually happened. Raiders, they are flying into this final series. They've absolutely pumped Manly. And then they come out and put over 50 points on the Tigers. They're in attacking form. They know going into the Melbourne game up against the Storm that they have the track record. They know that they have the cattle to get the job done against Melbourne. And that is going to be a fantastic game, week one of the final series. I'm, I'm devastated that I'm going to be in Brisbane. Uh, my dad's a Canberra Raiders supporter. So I thought, damn, wouldn't that have been the best Father's Day gift? Tickets to the Storm v Raiders. Go chair on the Canberra Raiders. 
and it would have been a hell of a game to go and watch. But I'll be in Brisbane, so I guess I'll just go to the Broncos. Oh, no, I won't. I won't go to the Broncos final. I won't go to the Titans final. Townsville, a little bit too far away. So, yeah, I won't be able to go to the finals action. But I definitely am going to be cheering on the Canberra Raiders up against the Storm, which it will not be an easy task. But the Raiders, when they're at their best, they can compete with anybody. And I truly believe that. So I am interested to see how they go. They've got some big boys up front, Josh Papali'i, Joseph Tarpane. Hudson Young has been one of the players of the competition this year. And he was just a whisker away from being named my round 25 X-Factor player of the round. So the best player across the whole round. Hudson Young, in my opinion, has to be an absolute lock for that Kangaroos World Cup side. Another one I thought was really quality in this game, Matty Timoko. I think Xavier Savage as well is slowly starting to build into a first grader and finding his feet as a fullback, not just using his speed, but also really starting to utilize his ball playing and everything that goes along with being a modern day fullback. Very exciting times for the Raiders. I said that this year was all about transition, bringing through some of their young guys, as they did see some of their really experienced guys like Josh Hodgson injured, they lost George Williams, and they've lost a couple of others, Sia Soliola. It seems like now they're trying to bring through that next generation of young talent, guys like Matty Timoko, uh, Albert Hopawate, Xavier Savage, I'm thinking of someone like a Trey Mooney. So they've got plenty of young guys. They seem like they're building towards something quite special. And I thought, honestly, this year they would miss the eight as they slowly started to build for the future. The fact is, though, they have made the top eight. Huge pass for the Raiders this season. And I cannot wait to see what is next from them. Now, those are all the games, so we head into a stacked week one of the final series. And of course, I will be going through giving all my takes for the weekly preview, which I'll be recording today, and I'll try to release that uh, tomorrow. So that will be the full preview for finals week one. Got a lot of other things going on NRL-wise, like the Not Just a Sports Report NRL 2022 Performance Highlights of the Year which you can go and vote on our Instagram now at just a sports report. And we're in the process of determining coach of the year, player of the year, and a few other things like that. Now I'm going to finish the podcast as always the performance highlights for round 25 kick off with the X factor player, Valentine Holmes scored a hat trick. And look, he was up against a second string Penrith side, but he was just incredible. A hat trick, had a try assist in there, many a tackle breaks, and coming off an Origin Series win, Valentine Holmes, one of the form centers of the competition. They are going to be needing him, are the Cowboys come finals as well. And week one of the finals, a very interesting matchup for Valentine Holmes and also for Chad Townsend as they take on the Cronulla Sharks, a side where they were part of the only premiership win in history. And now they find themselves as Cowboys. Valentine Holmes, my X-Factor player of the round, hugely impressed with his output in this one. Then for my Rising Star nomination, 
the final one for the year. I've gone with Terrell May, the young prop from the Sydney Roosters. I mean, his form in reserve grade this year has been unreal. I'd say he's the best front rower in the New South Wales Cup. And he's been able to earn that call up into the Roosters system. And the numbers he's been putting up for the short time he's had on the field have really impressed me. I'm wondering, do the Roosters keep him? He is the brother of Talon and Tyrone May, so there are Panthers connections there, and maybe they look at bringing him over to the club. But I, I think Roosters are going to make moves. Terrell May has been outstanding for them when called upon, and he's been leading from the front in reserve grade. So rising star nomination for round 25, I've gone with Terrell May, and now I've got to go and turn five into four because it can only be a top four to vote on for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star Season 2022. Now, I've got Selwyn Cobbo, Taylor May, Isaac Tago, Joseph Suwali, and Jeremiah Nanai. That is our top five. It has to become top four. And at the moment, I think just as a casualty of Brisbane's downfall, as well as not playing many games toward the back half of the season, Selwyn Cobbo seems most likely to drop out. I find it really hard to make a case to drop any of the other four out. Although it seems Taylor May guilty of an assault. So I don't know whether that takes him out. But I think his season has definitely warranted him being in the top four. So with his brother Terrell May being the final Rising Star nomination, I'm now going to go away. We're going to settle the top four. And then, of course, as I mentioned... You can vote on that over on our Instagram. We are running polls all week for the performance highlights of the year at Not Just the Sports Report over on Instagram. Now, tough stuff for the one who got through some real tough work over the weekend. I've picked Junior Paolo. I, I just thought he really made a difference in the middle up against the Melbourne Storm. So it was a big game. There was a lot on the line. Junior ran for over 200 metres. And if the Eels are to somehow go all the way, well, Junior Paolo, the co-captain, he is such a major part of their push. Huge game from him up against the Storm, and they're going to need an even bigger one, week one of the finals, up against the Panthers. Then, to finish on somewhat of a sour note, cause for concern. And I've chosen my cause for concern for the entire season, and I've gone the West Tigers. Now, they finished last. Even the shitty, or they played shitty, Gold Coast Titans finished the season strong. So strong that it dropped my side, the Warriors, to 15th. Which in itself, I'm very concerned about the Warriors. But Tigers finished last. The fact that I called that as well, before the season even started, I was like, this is, our, this is the worst team, in my opinion. And they've come out, and if you look at the ladder... They have been the worst team. They've had their coach sacked. Uh, they've got Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall taking over. They've got some great players coming as well. So uh, that does alleviate some of the concern. But at the same time, if I look at this season, just very concerning from the West Tigers. Much like my side, the Warriors, it has been a long time since they have been even mildly successful. So... Yeah, I just want to see Tigers get back to their best. I think back to when Tim Sheens last had the club going successfully. You had Benji, Robbie, 
Even a guy like Chris Lawrence, who was playing at the top of his game in the centres, well, now the Tigers are just a shell of that. We don't know what their halves combination looks like going forward. And yeah, they've got Tim Sheens coming back, one of the all-time great coaches, no doubt. But it's been a long time since he coached in the NRL. A lot of changes in terms of the way the game is played and coached. And of course, Tim Sheens at the back end of his Tigers run last time, the team were going like a busted ass. So it's not like this is going to instantly fix everything. But I will preface that. Oh no, preface is saying it before. Lol, my bad. Uh, I will say though, on the end of this cause for concern, I, I have hope. I do have hope that the Tigers are on the up. Isaiah Papali'i is a phenomenal signing. And then Api Korosau has potential to totally change the game. Think of when he returned to the Panthers in the 2020 season and what an immediate difference he made. So Api Korosau, Isaiah Papali'i, you've got some really promising young stars at the Tigers as well. I am concerned as far as this year, but let's hope next year, minimal concern. And in fact, I hope next year, I get many opportunities to praise the Tigers' redemption. We'll have to wait and see on that though. They have picked up the wooden spoon. And that is it for the NRL Power Hour. I will of course be back to sum up all the finals action next weekend at the end of the action, going through all four games. And yeah, I guess that'll mean a bit longer on each game to get through to the hour. It's going to be huge if your team are involved in finals. Good luck, this is the best time of the year. If you're like me, your team finished 15th or somewhere thereabouts, well, there's always next year. I've been saying that for like 10 years, but there is always next year. Uh, Yeah, if you don't, don't keep hope, what can you do? What can you do? Thanks, Warriors. Thanks for staying in Australia, actually. Massive shout out to the Warriors for what they did to keep the competition going. Massive shout out to those teams from 9th to 16th. Enjoy your Mad Monday, whatever. At, at this point, whatever. Enjoy your Mad Monday. For the sides that are in the top eight, well, now is the best point of the season. If you're supporting a side that are playing finals, hopefully they get up this weekend. We'll have to see how the action goes. I'll be back for the Power Hour podcast this weekend. And until next time, enjoy the footy and take care of yourselves. Thank you.